Hello and welcome to The Walk, a podcast where we discuss parenting and what the Bible says about it. God's Word contains truth, encouragement, and application, which we want to share with you. The mom or dad journeying through the chaos of raising kids, from the newborn to the rebellious teenager. Our mission is to provide you with the hope and skills that allows you to be the parent God calls you to be. I am your host, Tony Smith, and this week's episode is titled The Absence of God, Part 1. And our focus is on what happens in the area of life where God is not present, that there is no fear of the Lord, where essentially he is absent in the hearts and minds of people. And this happens all over the place, in work environments and within the home. And that's what I want to talk about today. What happens within the home when God is absent, particularly on an individual level? And next week's episode, and it will be the final episode of the Absence series, but that focuses on the absence of God in a nation or a society. But today we're focusing on the individual, and it really boils down to our verse for the week, which is 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. It says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Wow, that is quite the extensive list. But this verse gives the preface of the whole in the last days. That could be now. It could be in 2,000 years. But something to observe is how our culture and families in our culture function now. And there's definitely some overlap. There are places where people value and love money more than their own families. There are houses that are filled with every kind of abuse imaginable glimpses of homes that have children who are disobedient to their parents, that are ungrateful, unholy, without love, and without any fear of God. And looking back, disobedience to your parents in Bible times, like, that's an offense punishable by death. Could be, if the dad said so, especially in the Roman culture. And there are children that say wicked things to their parents, things that I couldn't even dare to say. And yet there's no consequence for the child. There's just a glimmer of hope that maybe one day they will get better or improve or change. And I hate to say that without some serious intervention and massive change of the heart, which only God can do, that pattern is only going to continue to decline. I hear of heartbreaking stories of people who were abused as children and are taken from their biological parents or are living with an aunt or a grandparent because they have nowhere else to go. So what happens when there's no fear of God in your household? Now, God is spirit, 
and encompasses everything. His word teaches that he is sovereign and in control over every detail of our lives. So he isn't truly absent. Kind of like the idea of divine distance. We yet sometimes in our spiritual walk with God feel distant from him. We wonder if he's there or if he even cares, yet we know that he is there all along. It just doesn't feel that way. And just because we don't feel or experience his presence doesn't mean he isn't there. And that's the point that I want to make before moving forward. It's not that God is absent, but rather there is no fear or respect or acknowledgement of who he is or even his existence. So what can happen in a household where there is no reverence of God? Well, first off, just because people don't have a reverent fear of God in their home does not mean they are the most vile and evil people known to mankind. I know several atheists or agnostics or just people that have a wrong view of God and are actually quite nice. They act selfless, they're helpful, they're kind, they're generous, and people tend to have a moral compass and know basic differences between right and wrong and typically have some level of conviction to do the right thing, whether they had parents that enforced rules or guidelines or they learned rights and wrongs at school. And many atheists have a strong belief in science and pursue the greater good through their scientific intellect to better humanity and their research. You know, we can look at people who do good things and yet don't have a relationship with Jesus. And those good things are on a worldly, superficial level. And that's one of the reasons why our good works can't earn us any favor with God. God says our so-called good works are like filthy rags. They are worthless. Trying to gain favor with God by doing nice things for others, that's not going to get you very far. What we all have to understand is that every person is born with sin, and there's nothing we can do about that problem. And that sin gets us in, gets us a direct ticket to hell, a place where we really are absent from the presence of God. But let's go back to looking at the home. If there is no fear of God, what else can it look like? Pursuits of achievement and success can run rampant. Of course, every parent wants their child to be successful. But what is the definition of success? Is it to find a well-paying job and be self-sufficient? If you don't reach that success, do your parents love you any less? Well... If God isn't present in the home, then they might. We see this all the time in the Middle Eastern and Asian cultures, where if a child doesn't reach perfection, they dishonor their family's name. They are rejected, and they are kicked out of the house. This tends to happen on a more emotional basis in the United States. Parents place a level of achievement upon a child, and if they don't reach that achievement, we are disappointed as if your kid needed to earn your approval by getting good grades or being elite in a sport. That's soul-crushing for a kid. Even through high school and college, they feel they must perform and achieve to earn the affection and love from their parents that they should inherently deserve simply by being their child. But that doesn't happen. And don't think claiming you're in a Christian household where you honor God within your family that you're exempt from this. You can fall into these things too. Making comments like, 
God wasn't honored by your performance because something isn't perfect. Like, that's dangerous to a child's understanding of God. That God would look down upon you because your best effort at something wasn't perfect? That you should be ashamed? God doesn't look at us like that. I'm pretty sure that God accepts every gift we offer up with a genuine heart. And that's what he cares about most. Not the performance or the offering, but the heart behind it. Transitioning into real life with the Smiths, there are many days where I don't exactly feel like God is honored in our home. Like, I feel like I'm in survival mode. And sometimes that survival mode lasts for months. Especially when you're going through a life change, such as getting a new job, or having a baby, or moving. You know, big life events. There always seems to be a transition period for some reason. Those transition periods, though exciting, they're also exhausting. I feel like I'm in survival mode right now. I'm in that survival mode transition period. We welcomed our third child in June. I started a new position in August, and Laura started a new position this past week. And we're going through some crazy life changes right now. And we're tired And we have such good intentions with our kids. And some days are great. And some days we can hardly stay awake. And I had mentioned in an earlier episode that those survival mode days are perfectly fine. They're normal. Life happens. And it's okay. The goal is not to turn survival mode into a pattern or a habit. You cannot be in survival mode for years on end and expect good things to happen. Your body can't function that way. And it's not supposed to function like that. Something has to be sacrificed. Something has to be given up. Whether that's a toxic work environment or a hobby. You can't do it all. And that is one of our family's biggest struggles. We want to do it all. I especially want to do it all. But I can't. I know I can't, even though I want to. Like, I want to will myself to do everything I want to do because I want to live my life to the fullest. Well, if I have that kind of attitude, something is going to be lost, or someone is going to be hurt. Doing things is not as important as who you are doing those things for. And if you are doing all of those things for yourself, that's a red flag. And I'm not talking about clubs and hangouts that include you. I'm talking about having your kids do every sport every season because you want to appear to be a super dad. Make sure you are doing activities for the benefit of your children, not the pride of them doing it for your own ego. There's a difference. But going back to the point, we are in a survival mode right now, and we've been here for 
we've been here before. And I'm very confident that it won't last forever. Actually, I feel like we're finally getting a groove. We're finding a rhythm for our family. It's not great yet, but we are taking baby steps. We got our kids' chore charts printed and up and running again. The goal is to have them do their chores and get stickers each day. So far, it's been like twice or maybe three times a week. But I have to keep reminding myself, baby steps. The same thing applies in your relationship with God. If you've been walking with the Lord for a while, you know that there have been seasons where you feel distant from God. Things don't feel quite right. Life hits you upside the head, and you're not getting into his word as often. Your prayer life is hindered. You have to step back from serving in church or going to small groups. I get that. And if I'm being honest, that's going to happen. It's expected. You are going to have seasons of spiritual growth and spiritual drought. How we handle the spiritual drought allows us to grow even closer to God, even though it doesn't feel like it. So many people all throughout the Bible go through spiritual dryness where their faith is tested and shaken. We have seasons like that where our faith is tested and shaken. We have those thoughts of doubt and the daring question of whether God is even there. Simply put, it's as though God is absent from our lives. While the encouraging piece is that he is there regardless of how we feel, and our emotions don't dictate what God does or where he goes. But that's often what we think. We feel distant from God. We feel as though he is absent from our lives or from our home, and all of a sudden, we fall into darkness and fall into sin. Or we stop pursuing God and sometimes even blame him for our circumstances. Or you remain faithful by doing everything you've been doing the last 10 years, but he just doesn't feel present. He doesn't feel like he's working in your life. How do you navigate that? I'm telling you, it will be for a season. There will come a time where things start to look up and God shows up in a miraculous way or in an absurdly simple way. And it's a reminder that he's there and he's got your back, but you need to remain faithful to him. When our middle child was born, I hit a dark patch like none other. It was probably the darkest season of my life. It was so challenging, and I was so tired all the time. I was discouraged with my ministry at church. I was disappointed in myself as a husband and a father for my behavior and attitude day after day after day. And it was like it would never end. And I could blame it on the sleepless nights. I could blame it on the crying baby and all of that stuff. And yeah, those were external factors that played a part. Actually, it really played a part. But as much as I could, I tried to cling to the Lord every single day. I still woke up between 4.30 and 5. I still made time to get into God's Word and meet with Him, even if it was short, even if my attitude sucked, even if I was mad at Him or grumpy, even if, fill in the blank, I still showed up. It was a habit that I had ingrained in my being My time with God is going to be in the morning before work. And the season I'm in right now was not as challenging as it was was then, but I'm still in a challenging season. My time with God hasn't been great, but it's still present. 
Some days I sleep an extra hour and just get cleaned up and go to work. Some days, my God time is about five minutes. I read through a devotional and move on. Other days still, God shows up in the morning with me and my coffee and my Bible. I sometimes wonder why God rescued me. Like out of all people, he has blessed me so much. And I'm so unworthy. And then I look at the world around me and how desperately people need the love of Christ in their hearts. There's so much pain and there's so much darkness that flood our world and especially the community I'm in. Those of you that have been listening for a while know that I'm a teacher and I've had quite a few students by now in my career, but I care about each one deeply as if they're my own. Even the most challenging ones. Actually, those are the kids that I have the heart for the most. You know, the ones that don't do a thing in class and act up and are always getting in trouble. But not too long ago, another one of my former students had unexpectedly passed away. And the the reasoning behind the death is probably, probably not going to be released publicly. But looking at the cause and some variables around the incident, it's more likely, it's more than likely a suicide. And I had interviewed uh, Heather Castor back in the spring about the passing of her daughter, Lauren, another one of my students dying by suicide. And that interview focused on her book and was basically a story of redemption for her and her family, how amidst so much darkness and pain that God shows up. And I know that just because you're a believer, you're not immune to those feelings of doubt. You're not immune to depression. You're not immune to the thought of taking your own life. Those thoughts are real. And when you feel alone or abandoned by God, it can often lead you down a road to those dark thoughts. There are a few people in the Bible that it wouldn't surprise me if they thought something similar. Elijah being one of them when he was fleeing from Jezebel. Hagar, another, who I just mentioned in last week's episode. Sometimes we cry out to God saying, Lord, Jesus, just come back and take all the pain away. Take all of this darkness away. Just come back. And he will, but nobody knows when. Could be tomorrow. Could be 2,000 years from now. But what happens when you don't have God in your life and you aren't walking with the Lord and you have these thoughts of self-harm to escape the pain or turmoil you're in. What hope do you have? That's one of the reasons why it's so important to share the love of Christ with people. Because one thing he does perfectly is he tells us how valuable we are to him. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. That we are never alone, even if we feel alone. There is so much good and being on the mountaintop with God. It feels incredible, and you never want to leave. But we always have to walk back down the mountain to tell those at the bottom about what's at the top. And the bottom of the mountain doesn't look great. It doesn't feel great. And you're with all these humans that are filled with sin, where all you want to do is go back to the top, where you are with a perfect and loving God. But he calls us to go back down the mountain, not forever, but for a season. 
He calls us to go tell people about how great and loving he is. If you've never felt that mountaintop experience, ask God to give you one. Seriously, in your time with him, ask him to show up and guide you to a mountaintop experience. But we as believers, as parents, we need to share that love with people. And what better way to start than with our own children? Teaching them about God, praying with them, worshiping the Lord with them, doing ministry together. Present God to your family as someone you can't live without. My walking wisdom for you today is just a piece of information and a gentle reminder. So this past July, the suicide hotline became a real thing. The number is 988. If you're having these dark thoughts, I want you to know that you are loved and you are valued even if you don't feel it. And if you listen to this episode and just kind of scoff at it, that's okay. But as a dad... Having had these dark thoughts myself, I know that there are little ones who depend upon me, who rely upon me, and who love me, and their worlds would be completely rattled if I made such a rash decision. It's okay to call for help. 988. It's okay to confess these feelings to the Lord. He can take it. He'd want you to talk to him. Or he wants to pour out his love to you. Meet with him and ask him to take care of you and to guide you and to lead you and follow him with your whole heart even when he feels absent. That's all for today. Items, links, and show notes can be found in the description of wherever you listen to podcasts. We want to say thank you to Pixabay Music and all of you that are listening to our show. We appreciate all of your support, and thanks again. This is The Walk.